everybody. Dave Neal here, stand-up comic host of Bachelor Nation News with a Bachelor Roundup for you today on Tuesday. It's December 6th, 2022, and we've got some fun, different stories to play for you right now on Bachelor Rush Hour. All right. Yeah, we've got just a lot in the works for you right now as we inch closer and closer to this year's Christmas. I don't know about you guys. It feels to me like Christmas is coming around way too fast this year. Um, and I guess that's a problem with living in sunny Southern California. We don't have any temperature change. I mean, it's a little chilly here. We got, you know, wool socks and shorts on, but uh, it's not like, uh, you know, winter weather to say the least. But I'll be decorating my tree tonight, creating all that Christmas content for you that you so crave. And if you're craving drama, there just isn't much of that going on right now within the Bachelor community. We've resolved a lot of the issues from Bachelor in Paradise. Petty feuds still rumbling. Maybe we are moments before the next big story. Not really sure, though, but I've got for you guys some interesting content. Logan talks about mental health, and so does Clayton in two separate clips. We'll play that. Clayton talks about actually taking a pay cut to be on The Bachelor. You know, usually The Bachelor is a big payday, but he already had a nice-paying job he had to kind of put aside uh, to find love. And then he talks about how... Um, very interesting how he created, spent a month and a half creating this whole fitness membership community and only sold two $30 memberships. And um, I can relate. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Neal. I know what it's like to expect big things and not be able to deliver, but he put his head down and we're going to share his uplifting story. All that, and then I've got a non-Bachelor story I'm going to share at the end. A update on the Johnny Depp-Amber Heard trial. Amber looks for a retrial. All that coming up to you right now on Bachelor Rush Hour. Logan Palmer was on Zach Rance's podcast, which is about, I don't know, life coaching. When you've been a contestant on The Big Brother, you immediately get qualified to be a life coach. And I'm a little snarky here, but hey, let's hear what they have to say. A complete roller coaster. And I haven't stepped off yet, but it's been good. Good, man. Tell us a little about it. What's uh, been your experience so far coming back into the real world? Uh, you know what? It's it's like I'm walking in a daydream, you know? Um, I, I'm still living in San Diego. I'm, I'm still working on my career in film and videography, but uh, there's definitely uh, a social aspect surrounding everything that's changed a lot, and that would be because of my appearance on the show. Um so I, you know, I, I filmed two shows this one, this year alone, I watched those two shows back and now I'm getting the reactions of people, uh, now that it's all said and done and it's been pretty wild. Yeah. It's pretty rare that you can go from being on bachelorette and straight into bachelor in paradise before seeing you back on bachelorette. So he went on bachelor in paradise with no sort of understanding about how his edit would be, or, you know, if there was going to be people scrutinizing certain ways he did things or the way he talked or this or that. So uh, to watch those both back, knowing that both seasons were in the bag must have been uh, nerve-wracking. Good, man. What do you think has been the most common reaction? You know what? After the first season, after Bachelorette, it was it was tough. People were not fans of me. Uh, people had a lot of harsh and sharp words to say about me. Uh, and those are messages that I stopped reading after <laughs> a certain amount of time. Um, but after Bachelor in Paradise... Uh, I think people saw a more well-rounded side of me, got to see some more parts of me that I'm, that I'm proud to show. And now, um, I think people, people seem to understand me a little better and it's been great. 
Yeah, very, very rare is it that someone who's a quote-unquote villain, which Logan was not a villain on his season. Maybe they try to edit him into one, but he, he never got to that status. But so many people that are quote-unquote villains go on Bachelor in Paradise and then do some interviews, and people realize they're not that bad of people. Maybe that's a message for all of us to just chill out on our judgments. Absolutely, man. I, uh, I don't really watch a lot of reality TV, but I did watch uh, Bachelor in Paradise, and I was a huge fan, man. You looked really good. You know, you seem like a great guy, and uh, I'm glad to have you on the podcast today. If you don't know a little bit about me, I was on Big Brother, and when I came off Big Brother with a massive social following, there were celebrities tweeting about me, as I'm sure you're aware. You know, yeah, these big celebrities they, they watch us on TV, and I had people like Ariana Grande, Neil Patrick Harris, Janet Jackson talking about me, and um, no way. Went, yeah, dude. And you know what? What did crazy? Grande think of you? So <laughs> believe it or not, her brother, her older brother, is. What did Grande think of you, bro? Were you guys like Nectar? Miss Frankie was on the show with me. He was one of the house guests. Okay. And him and I were like this best yeah. friends. I didn't know he was Ariana Grande's brother. I just knew him as Frankie. And uh, at one point in the show, because it's a game show, uh, we're competing yeah. for half a million dollars. It's right. not to find love. We're, we're doing this for money. And yeah. long story short, when he was in the pits and everyone was against him, he kind of dropped his secret because he came in not telling anybody. And he's like, hey, guys, my sister's Ariana Grande. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't even know who that is. She wasn't that famous at the time. It was 2014. She was dating Big Sean. She just dropped her first album. Uh, yeah. She had a pretty uh, popular single with Mac Miller at the time. And um, I was like, I don't care who your sister is. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and uh, long story short, I'll get to the point. I get off the Please. show with like 400,000 Instagram followers. Ooh. And uh, it went straight to my head, dude. It went straight really? to my head. I became an egotistical, narcissistic, pretentious douchebag. I thought I was like God's gift to earth. I spent all the money I made on reality TV, on drugs and alcohol, and I went yeah. into a really, really bad place, dude. I went into a really bad place, but that's partly the reason why I'm here today as a certified life coach. I've worked with over a thousand clients, helping people lose weight, helping people get so Who's interviewing who here? That's my question. We're helping people get out of debt, start businesses and things like that. And uh, it was just a part of my journey. So kind of a, a preface to my question, how was your mental health prior to going on the show compared to how your mental health is now after the show? Yeah, Zach, I think a lot of the things you're saying are, are resonating. Um, I came off the show at offset off after filming, feeling very confident. I felt like I spoke my mind well. I felt like people would understand where I'm coming from and I, I, people would give me the benefit of the doubt, which isn't always given, you know? And, and you know what? There's some stuff I would do differently when I was on the show. But the point is, um, I got a lot of harsh, you know, reactions and people were not a fan of me. And it was jarring to me. I mean, I had people contact my place of work, fans to say things about me. I had people contact my family, send messages to my sister. I had uh, death threats, just like, you know, and, and, um, and now I'm on the other side. I had a good season and people are celebrating me and sending me amazing ins inspirational messages. And, you know, I got to go to a sports game and sit, sit on the court and it's it's such a whiplash, I think, you know, 
going. I love, I love, I love that, the, the dichotomy. Yeah, fans were sending me death threats, but then I got to go to a sporting match. You know, it's like clearly he Logan must. He's being very kind. He knows how how clearly deranged some of our audiences from one side of the spectrum to the other. And you know, I I, I hear what you're saying. Like, it, I think if I went to enough sports games and if I got enough DMs from check marks and if I got enough. Uh, compliments and and uh, so on and so forth. It it definitely could go to your head. It definitely could change you. It would change anyone. So I'm trying to really be cognizant of like, hey man, you didn't actually do anything. You went to the beach. You wow. had fun, and now people recognize you. But be humble. Realize this is a temporary thing, and realize that you got to build a life for when this is over because it'll be over at some point you know what i mean wow very interesting you know this conversation is going to lead into our video later today where we talk about clayton eckard uh going back to work after his season of the bachelor very interesting stuff here you can tell logan's a true like creative mind when he's like look none of this matters i didn't do anything i was just on a beach like you know this clearly just shows he's got so much more to offer us as you guys know i'm in the logan fan club here he pays me to be in it logan pays me um fifty dollars for every video i make about him uh so i have to make them good i'm kidding the franchise within bachelor franchise that i think it'd be fun to collaborate with nice um and you know in the kind of what i was saying in the creative realm like um it's super easy to only claire pays me though projects that have the dollar sign behind them but like a lot of the stuff that's going to put you in the next level will be the things you do on your own mm-hmm. that are uh kind of self endeavors that maybe take longer take a lot of time don't have money behind it but that well, that will actually be your your star piece, you know? So now, this might not be relatable to you or to me because we haven't been on reality TV, but uh, what Logan's talking about here is choosing to do creative endeavors that don't just bring you money, right, when you get off the show and choosing or deciding what to do with your Instagram following as it comes. You know, Logan's been on two seasons this year. He's gone from virtually zero followers to having a robust uh, 75,000, and it's only going to go up from there. I actually thought he'd have a lot more by now. But, of course, Instagram is not as popular as it used to be. Uh, but, yeah, it's like, what are you going to do with this new following? What are you going to do with this fan base? Are you going to uh, you know, what, put, put creative work out there, or are you just going to jump into the you know, influencer ads or you know, a combination of both? Well, whether it's writing or uh, whether it's a sort of short film that I want to produce and, and direct myself, uh, I think in this next year, I'm going to really focus now that maybe I have some of the means, you know, because of all this, that I'm, I'm going to pursue more personal projects. Double down on that, dude. Look, if you know, if you know, and you think that that's going to help your career, double down. Yeah. Put a hundred percent of your time, energy, and attention into that. Focus on that. And, uh, you know, if your skills and your talent are, are truly good, which I'm sure they are you're going to get results, brother. So I, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Dude, the bar set so low for creativity within the Bachelor world. And let me explain what I mean. Uh, so many Bachelor uh, 
influencers get their following and they you know create these bad podcasts with terrible audio and not not much of a point of view so when something good comes along like jason tartik's podcast a very good one or when something like when chatty broads i mean people forget that becca martinez was on the bachelor right she's been in chatty broads for so long we i almost forget she's an alumni maybe you don't but she has high quality stuff that she makes when you see people like like um dean who's a photographer who can make really great quality images in video uh you're like wow this is really nice take susie for example as a creative so the, the bar is set low if, if logan makes anything with like a good creative vision i think the audience is going to eat it up to go all in on that um and dude honestly i i, I gotta just ask this question are you single right now? Are you dating anybody? Because I know my followers, I know my fans, they're going to be mad if I don't ask the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I am single right now. Uh, you know what? I'm ready to step back into dating. You know, there it is, folks. And from one single contestant to another, let's hear what Clayton has to say about his time on the show and the financial side of things. Uh, Clayton Eckert's post-bachelor earnings. Let's hear him talk to Jason Tartik right here. You can go check the whole thing out on YouTube or their podcast. Okay, so about 20000 in debt. You graduate playing D1 ball, and then you get – it's an undrafted deal you got with Seattle. Tell people about what that is. Yeah, so I had interest to potentially uh, be drafted in the NFL. I ended up not getting drafted, so I was brought in for a tryout as an undrafted free agent. Uh, I made the team from there. Uh, but most people think that, okay, all of a sudden you sign a contract and there's a difference between a guarantee and a non, and money that's guaranteed and money that's not. And so I signed a three, I think it was a three year, $1.4 million contract. All my friends are like, oh my gosh, this dude's a millionaire, right? Yeah. Not a single cent of that was guaranteed. So, so of course he ends up getting cut like most people do. Uh, and he only made about $5,000. So a lot of people, you know, there is wealth to be made in football, but you got to play three or four years. You have to get that like veteran salary and, um, the, you know, whatever. All right. So then he talks about going on the bachelorette. So that was a kind of a big deal deal, you know, formidable moment for him to even make it onto the NFL, even as a practice squad. I always say, I mean, just to get drafted or, or signed onto a team from a tryout is that's good for him. And you get a call from the bachelorette. And what was the decision process to either go on the show or continue to work as a rep? Yeah, so I essentially was in a position where, um, you know. So I skipped over, but at this point, he's a medical sales rep, and he has to decide if he wants to take time off from, from his high-paying job. They see, he says that the average uh, good medical sales rep makes $200,000. He says, do I want to take the time off to go on this show for a month or two? I was having my quarter-life crisis. I hit my 28th birthday, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I've been doing the same thing for the last five years. I don't feel like I'm really progressing I had a senior rep that was going to be retiring in the next few years, so I saw my future right in front of me, and I just felt, you know, I want to do something more. I'm not finding what I want from a relationship standpoint here in a college town, uh, and so I started to look at jobs elsewhere, and I almost took a job in uh, St. Louis. I actually had the offer in my email, and then um, I told my boss that I was leaving, and he's like, what's the opportunity? I told him, he goes, you don't want that opportunity. Did they tell you that they're losing these surgeons? I was like, no. He goes, they're about to lose all this business. You're walking into a trap. So I went back to them, and sure enough, they, they're like, yeah, we're losing them. Why? I was like, you didn't tell me that. They're like, yeah, we did. I'm like, no, no this is not good. But then my job was like, well, are you going to leave? So then there became like this shaky ground underneath me. And meanwhile, all of a sudden, I get a DM 
from this recruiter saying, do you want to go on the bachelor, bachelorette? So and they DM'd, that's how you DM'd got me, yeah. found DMs. Yeah, I just like, I made, I made an Check Instagram. Check those DMs, people. Yeah, I made an Instagram like four months prior because no one, all my friends weren't on Facebook anymore. So I was like, gosh, I have to download Instagram. And of course the show knows their proprietary blend of drama involves casting former athletes. My thought is athletes obviously are in peak physical condition and they play up to that side of the audience that might want that thirst. But also... Athletes can be manipulated because they want to do what the coach says. So that, again, this is just the kind of the, the thoughts we've had over the years where we go, oh, we see a lot of pageant queens and a lot of athletes, a combination of people just trying to please their quote unquote coaches and judges, which can lead to a lot of producer manipulation. Now, and uh, so I, I made that and they found me and I thought it was fake. But then at this point, I'm like, well, my current job thinks I'm going to leave. So there's, it's, again, if I'm going to jump, I might as well jump when the ground's shaky underneath me. That's great. Jump while the ground's shaky underneath you. I always say leap in the net will appear. But we are going to see moments where Clayton didn't get the success he wanted right away and went back to his former life. And I think we all have this issue where we're kind of baited between doing something entrepreneurial or doing something that's a risk versus something that is safe. And a lot of people choose safe because safe has health insurance. Safe has uh, all the all, all the reliabilities of things you know. I, I always say I'm lucky that I came from, you know, uh, the, the get, I got into entertainment at such a young age that I never had a high paying job to turn back from. It was kind of all or nothing. But guys like Clayton, he's got a, he got a, like a, he's got getting paid what a senator is getting paid. He's making almost a quarter million dollars here. Does he want to just put that all on pause for something else? But like most people that work in some form of corporate life, you just, you just, how many turns around the sun do you have before you go, you know what? I just don't feel fulfilled by what this offers. There wasn't much talk about you being The Bachelor, at least publicly. No. And then all of a sudden, Clayton's The Bachelor. And people are like, wait, what? What's going on? Tell me about this. So for you, did you expect to be The Bachelor? And did you go back to work in that time frame from The Bachelorette and then going to take the lead? Yeah, no, I went back to work. Uh, and I also, and absolutely, I, I was as shocked as everybody else. I mean, I, I think it was, I, I honestly was just, my whole goal was like, to go on the show, I thought, okay, I'm going to be able to cast a wider net and I'm going to be able to, someone's going to see me and be like, oh, this guy's in middle of nowhere, Missouri. I like him. I'm going to reach out to him on social media. That was my thought of going on the, the Bachelorette. It was like, you know, so I could find a relationship, settle down, be happy. Because my job was good. Again, I made decent money. Um, and then I just thought, and I got there night one. First guy I saw was six foot eight, eight. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm out night one for sure. How do you think I so, And of course, he ended up making it uh, to, what, eighth or so? So he did much better than he thought he would do. Uh, but I, I can relate. You know, he says, all right, look, I'll go on the show. Maybe I won't, you know, if I don't find love, at least I'll build some social media audience and then that'll help with the dating. I mean, look, this is just 2022, folks. The fact that, like, having a better social media or even being verified can, can leapfrog you to a higher, like, dating market. This is just how it is. When you sign to be the bachelor being compensated by ABC or did you make more in one year medical sales work at the rate you were working? I made more medical sales. Okay. Yeah, I think everybody, I've, again, people thought I became a millionaire from the show. It's like, no. I always say this, you can become, or at least this is how it's been in the past, a millionaire from the show if you play your cards right. The show's not going to guarantee you that sort of success. But if we look at former contestants, even if you take Katie Thurston, who hasn't built 
uh, as big a following as others, you can see that, you know, clearly there's money to be made. Some some would even say up to a dollar per follower per year. You know, she hit a million and is down to 800,000. I use her as an example versus some of the bigger ones because this is more a more of a recent bachelor versus Michelle. And of course, there we do have an issue in, um, you know, in, in uh, the alumni where uh, alumni of color aren't getting as many follows on Instagram as the white leads. That's just how it is because we've seen that with Rachel Lindsay and Michelle Young and others. Now, I bring that all up because obviously Clayton says, you know, I was told, you know, I was going to be able to make money from all this. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you can, but male uh, alumni don't necessarily make as much as females because the women ha uh, are can market to a female audience. I'm in a weird but lucky niche because my audience is 92% women and YouTube doesn't care that I'm a male because they're just marketing on the end user versus influencers, the face of who you are. Like like if, uh, if Clayton has 100% female audience, he's not going to be able to just sell L'Oreal Foundation. I mean, maybe he could, but it's just not going to be like a Hannah Godwin or somebody that's really gonna like a Rachel Lindsay. Um, I'm sorry, like a Rachel Kirkconnell could sell, you know, or, or Rachel Lindsay. I don't think Rachel Lindsay, um, she does bigger. Um, I think she was working for Lexus. Either way, the point is there's lots of money on the table, but it's not necessarily just given to you. It's not the case. Not like the case. They, you don't get paid as much as people think. Got bad money. It's just yeah. not, well, I was making more in medical sales. Okay, you get off the show and then you have this social media platform and you're getting called to do all these things. From a work and compensation standpoint, were you making more post-show with everything going on than you were as a medical sales rep? No, much less. Much less. So there was, uh, again, I heard in the past that people come off the show, and it depends if you're you know, a woman or a man. Like, there, there's a big discrepancy there as far as how much people are making. I came off the show, I was getting a couple ad deals, but I mean, making substantially now less, which that then drove my anxiety up through the roof because I was told I was going to be, you know, they're like, you want you, know, you don't have to work a seven to three anymore. And I was like, okay. So I started to believe it. I'm like, this is great. I'll be able to do whatever I want comfortably. Now, I appreciate his honesty here. He said, they told me I wouldn't have to work a day job anymore. Like, yeah, I'm sure they did. That's a big selling point to get you because it's not just about finding love. You got to put your life on hold, you know, for him to be like, all right, oh, geez, I'm going to be turning down my salary job or my all my high-end sales and my bonuses. They said, oh, no, 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 you're going to make a lot of money doing this. And of course, it's gone, you know, like, like we've said, it's declined since its heyday of a few years ago but also Clayton never really got the ball rolling with his social media. he does have a good Instagram but not nearly what former leads have and it was anything but comfortable I, I stepped off the show I'm like oh my gosh like no nothing's coming in and I don't know I think it's just the day and age things are transitioning I think people are getting tired of influencers and uh to some degree and so and the opportunities just aren't where they used to be at the height of the show a year ago or okay. two years ago, whenever Interesting, it was. interesting, interesting. So everyone that comes off the show has different scenarios and stories. And it, like you said, it has a huge impact on when you come off the show. For you, what was next? Did you say, I'm going to go back to medical sales rep? And where are you today professionally? What are you, what's going so on? So Clayton Ecker's got 290,000 followers versus Colton Underwood, 1.9 million. Ari Jr., 800,000. So yeah, of course, he's got a one-third to one-fifth of what some of the other former leads have. And, you know, that'll grow over time, but not, you know, he unfortunately his season was a rough one. A lot of people weren't rooting him on the way it ended. And that probably leads to a lot of people saying, you know what? I don't really care to follow his journey, which is too bad because he seems to be a solid guy. Yeah. Um, so my then girlfriend at the time, uh, Susie from the show, uh, she said, you know, Hey, you should chase your passions. You, what are you passionate about? I said, well, I like I, I like to talk about mental health because 
Um, I've been talking about this back since uh, I started opening up about it in college to my friends and all that as far as with body dysmorphia and then how that caused a lot of depression, anxiety in my life. Um, so I was like, okay, I want to do something with mental health. I'm not sure what that looks like. And then I also thought, okay, I like physical fitness. Like that helped me as well tremendously establish more self-confidence in myself. Uh, so I thought, okay, I want to do something in that realm. So I decided that I was going to give back by, with utilizing my platform through creating um, workout plans and selling them. Cool. And I thought, okay, I have 300,000 you know, 300, fans and or, you know, followers, and I said, if I can get um, you know, a few people to buy these programs for 30 bucks, I'm, I can make an honest living. So I, I spent a month, I built my website myself, which in hindsight I should have just paid someone else to do it. I spent so much time, it turned out terrible. Um, but it was something. But I ended up, like, end up launching it after a month and a half. I sold two programs. 30 oh, bucks made $60. Made $60 after a month and a half worth of work. Rough. And I panicked and I was like, I'm going back to corporate. Because I knew that I could go back to a six-figure like, salary just like that in, in, in medical sales. And so I was like, I'm going right back. Sure. But I panicked and she was like, no, Clayton, did you really do all that you could? And I was like, I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, look at all the other people out here that have made a successful career. Like, does your page look like theirs? You know, she kept telling me, copy genius. Like, whatever works, go follow that script. So I went back through a second time. So thankful that I did. And like, that's why I'm so thankful for her in my life because even though we're not together now, like, I needed that push from someone yeah. to say, hey, like, take a deep breath, do more, try it again. Don't just quit after the first time. Yep. So I went back in the second time and then I, you know, upped my offering from the, you know, the 30 bucks to like 165 or whatever and with a contract in place for, and then I ended up bringing like 70 people on in three wow. weeks. All right, so he got 165 and he brought in 70 people in three weeks. What a difference that makes. And how about that? 165 times 70 is $11,000. So it went from $60 to 11,000, just like that with the help of Susie. But I love that idea of copy genius. It's like, yeah, like he's not a probably great at designing websites, but he's great at building muscle. He's great at working out his body and he's got this approach to sort of like he's got a, like a motivational approach so that's so amazing that he had Susie there to kind of coach him through his own struggles to say you didn't give it your all you know they say leap in the net will appear but you have to truly leap you have to truly feel like you're out there giving it your all and then you will find a net and that net being whatever the next steps are uh, at, you know to, to uh, that, that reflect the reality you're trying to create yeah yeah, I would say the biggest thing that I've learned is to listen to your inner circle and um, any, anything outside of that, don't listen to it because it's just external noise and I lost myself and my way by reading every single comment online and it, I started to believe that narrative. I, I, everything that was said about me and the death threats I was receiving and tell, people telling me that I'll never find love and I should just crawl in a hole and, you know, just, and remove myself from this earth. Like Great I was job. getting thousands of Good messages job, every day of that with that nature. And I started to believe it. I was like, one comment's one thing, but thousands of comments, you start to believe like maybe I am this person that everyone thinks that I am. Uh, so I learned from this experience that, you know, when I shut that all down yeah. and when I went outside and just met, talked to people in the real world, um, you know, I might've had 10,000 plus negative comments in my DMs, but I've only ever had two people tell me they didn't like me in person. And they were both drunk, so. <laughs> so right. About. But I mean, so, you know, some of these people might have not liked me either in person as well. But the, but the whole point that I realized was, you know, if this was actually Caitlin told one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. She she said, "Don't go shopping for pain because you always find it." Wow, very powerful stuff there. Clayton has a message. We are glad he is sharing it. And for our final video, an update on Amber Heard v. Johnny Depp. 
It's been a while since we've had an update, but yes, this is a story that has not ended. Obviously, Johnny won the original verdict, or at least the majority of the verdict, a $10 million defamation uh, lawsuit, but she also won a little bit too. And of course, it's like, how can you win one but not the other? Very confusing stuff. We've overanalyzed it, but um, here's what she had to say. Uh, so they argued that the trial shouldn't have moved forward since Johnny lost the first UK trial. So that's kind of the whole, the whole fact that Amber fans and Amber side have said, well, you lost the UK trial and people have said, well, in the UK trial, it was completely different uh, court system. And also the trial was uh, about whether or not the son could uh, call him a wife beater and not necessarily whether or not she defamed him. So slightly different things here, but um, that's going to be her argument. So her lawyer said in the document, the trial court also aired in overruling Heard's dem demur. Did I pronounce that right? In which she argued that the challenge statements are non-actionable expressions of opinion and are not reasonably capable of conveying the alleged defamatory implication. So they're saying by by her sharing her opinion, it's not defamation. Do I have that right? That holding, if allowed to stand, undoubtedly will have a chilling effect on other women who wish to speak out about abuse involving powerful men. At the highly publicized Virginia trial earlier this year, a seven-person jury found that Heard defamed Johnny in her op-ed about DV, and he was awarded more than $10 million in damages. Additionally, Amber won one of her defamation counterclaims and was awarded $2 million. Her lawyer suggested that the two verdicts contradicted each other. And look, the two verdicts kind of do contradict each other, but... If they contradict each other and he won more of the verdicts, wouldn't he be, uh, you know, the, the the winning side here? And you know, I don't know anything about this, so let's go to law and crime and see what they have to say about it. We're now hearing that Amber Heard's team appealed the more than ten million dollar verdict, but explain this to me. I thought this already happened. Yes, a lot of people uh, were getting confused about the appeal, and what happened was after the trial, after the verdict was reached, Amber Heard actually filed post-trial motions. And that her motion there, it was asking Judge Ascarati in her court still to reverse the jury verdict and just basically say that that is not supported by the law. But that was in Judge Ascarati's court. It was not considered an appeal. Now she is officially appealing in the Virginia Court of Appeals. All right. So we have, just like she said here, we have an official appeal throughout the, the state's you know court system versus what was her just trying to get the judge to reverse the jury ver verdict. But again, I don't know, you know, in any of these high powerful cases, and again, you could, you could look this up and maybe prove me wrong here, but I don't know uh, how many cases where the judge would reverse with the jury. I mean, it's supposed to be the jury supposed to make the decision. Then the judge kind of uh, talks about like the, the monetary amount, but we know in this case, uh, the jury also came out with the monetary damages. That's where we find ourselves in. Okay, now this brief we took a look at, um, it references the United Kingdom trial. You and I have discussed this extensively here on Long Crime Network. Now, there are a lot of differences in these two trials that people don't always realize. But if we take a look at that brief of Heard's recent appeal, it reads in part, quote, this case should never have gone to trial because another court had already concluded that Depp abused Heard on multiple occasions. After Depp filed this case, the United Kingdom High Court of Justice ruled in a separate defamation action brought by Depp that Heard's abuse allegations were true. Now, Catherine, can you break this down for us? Does that UK verdict really warrant the verdict being overturned here in the US or even a new trial? I believe it does not. 
like you mentioned, we've discussed this before extensively and two glaring reasons as to why the UK judgment does not apply here in the United States. One, the parties were different. The UK trial was between Johnny Depp and the son, and Amber Heard was not a party to that. Second, the evidentiary rules in the UK is different from the US. Now, I want to add two more reasons that are glaringly not in Amber Heard's appeal, which is one, she did not provide any supporting laws to why a UK judgment would apply in the US, why a judgment in another country would apply in the US. So part of the issue, part of the thing that I'm noticing that we have in society is that Amber Heard's side provided enough by 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 wanting the appeal. Again, I, th- it doesn't mean the court system is going to accept an appeal, but by wanting an appeal, they get out. They continue to get out their statement here, where they're they're kind of hammering ham- hammering home their sort of their line. This should never gone to trial because he was already they already the court concluded that Depp abused Heard. Right? That's not exactly what happened, but in the appeal, that's what they're saying. So it's it's in the in the court of a public opinion, the people that are on the side of Amber Heard's uh, um, are saying, oh, it's already been you know, he's already been convicted. Well, he, he was in a way, but with the son, the newspaper, not against her. And it wasn't that he was, uh, that they said, you definitely did this. They just said, well, the, the son could report this because there was uh, enough reasonable rumors that were existing. You know what I mean? So it's different, but this is the world we live in where, which is complicated, but rather than sort of get to the truth, they're kind of just going to hammer home their point and their side's going to feed off of that. But the question will be, do we respect the system enough if this is shot down to move forward and say, all right, well, Johnny won because a, you know, a jury of our peers, Americans have decided that he, that she, you know, if that happens, we just move on, right? Or do we just keep on filing and filing and filing? And is it one of those things where you just rack the bill up so far with no intention to ever pay it back? I don't know. I'm not too sure here. Um, I did want to share, you know, back one of our highlights from the heyday, early summer of 2022, this moment here. Because if you guys don't, I mean, if I don't know if you guys were all around for this, but it was really riveting. Uh, every, you know, all the different testimonies. It was just fascinating stuff. You know this case is being televised, right? I, I am aware that there are cameras. And so this gets you your 15 minutes of fame, doesn't Objection, it? Your Honor. Argumentative. I, I can ask that question. Oh, ruled. I stand to gain nothing from this. I'm actually putting myself kind of in the target of TMZ, a very litigious uh, organization. And I'm not seeking any 15 minutes of music. So you may, you're welcome to speculate. I could say the same thing by taking Amber Heard as a client for you. And then, of course, the, the, look, the, the the court system just became, it became wild. It was just a wild spectacle. My my thought, though, and look, and even, even Elaine here, uh, even Amber's attorney's laughing, but it's like, oh, my gosh, what a story this was. This was probably the biggest story of 2022. Um... As far as international celebrity goes, I mean, I don't know a story that was bigger than this one. And it's important. It's an important story because, you know, you talk a lot about um, what, it, you know, as far as will, will it make it to the Supreme Court? You know, uh, Amber Heard discuss, you know, trying to argue what is allowed as an opinion versus what's defamatory. I don't believe so. Uh, I think anyone who is, you know, arguing or looking at this story from both sides 
thought that, wow, it's almost impossible for Johnny to win this because it's hard to prove that somebody defamed you. So the fact that he did win it, the fact that all of these people came out to support him, even when in in the media, most of the media was supporting her, uh, was very fascinating. I think I think this is a, a, a case that will be studied for years and talked about for years, and it's not over. If we have any updates on it, we'll share them with you. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you in a little bit. Bye, guys. All right, everybody. That's it for me. There were two uh, videos I did not include in today's podcast. That is a fight between Marlena. Uh, she was on this past season of The Bachelor. Uh, this past season? Yeah. And she was also former Olympian. You remember her? She uh, sort of got in some trouble, some hot water for releasing the roast jokes she wrote. And uh, she is now in a Twitter or with Shake from Love is Blind. We have that story. And also a Tasha story. Tasha potentially finding love. So if you want to check out those two stories, those are on YouTube only. Otherwise, I appreciate all your support out there. Keep on liking, reviewing, rating, following, subscribing, all the things you can do to help keep pushing this podcast. We appreciate you. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. Bye.